Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So today we're very happy to have uh, Ms. Hagani Matos. So uh, our uh, early decision admit to Harvard University as well as the president of uh, Maryman for the past um, year. Yes. Uh, so hello, Hagani, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, we're doing well, thank you. Uh, so let's jump right into that. So students are, I'm, I'm sure they're very interested in your story, like um, for all <laughs> university things related. Um, so first question uh, is actually, so from the BMARANOPLIS website, uh, when you first got enrolled at Mary, your university plan was already uh, stated Harvard University. Uh, so did you always wanted to go to Harvard or to the States to study or was it near happenstance? Um, I... Harvard was not my original plan, so um, my plan from the beginning, I thought I would likely apply to McGill Law, and if I got in, then I would go there. But when Harvard actually announced that it was going to go test optional because of COVID, uh, I decided to give it a shot because, well, something important to know about me is that uh, while I love essays, I love writing and language, uh, math is not my forte. So I, uh, studying for like math components of the SAT and everything, the fact that I would be able to avoid doing that and kind of get in solely based on kind of my strength was appealing to me. So that's when I decided that I would apply to Harvard, but it was definitely not some calculated plan that I had from the beginning. Okay, then I will leave it to Yana to ask the next questions. <laughs> so, uh, you mentioned you applied to Harvard. Did you apply to any other schools? Um, so since I applied to Harvard early, uh, decision, I found out that I got in before most other applications were actually due. Uh, but I did apply to Oxford as well. I applied to Oxford in our history because the application would be around the same time as Harvard early decision. Uh, and I got an interview, but I actually didn't get in. <laughs> so, um, my Oxford interview, I think in the U.S. interviews for universities tend to kind of, they ask you about yourself, they try to figure out about your personality and your kind of extracurricular activities, who you are as a person and your strengths. And uh, for Oxford, it's very much about the subject. So they try to see how much you already know about the subject you're applying for. And they asked me about a painting that was about the South Bank in London, and I just didn't really know anything about that topic. So I didn't get in, but... Um, just for people who are applying to universities in uh, the U.S. and the U.K., I think it's important to know that the type of interview that you're going to have is very different, and the preparation required is very different as well. And uh, for U.S., why did you choose Harvard for early decision when there were a lot of other schools? Yeah, I think Harvard was just... I had watched a few videos um, kind of talking about Harvard opportunities and different kind of activities that were going on there and there was something so appealing about this environment where I felt like um, there were so many people with so many like diverse kind of quirky interests that felt like a place that I wanted to be and I'm sure that that's the case for many many other schools but uh, yeah there was something about Harvard and the actual student body that really appealed to me and then I actually got on a call with Guillaume Bouchard, who uh, graduated from Mary Novelist a couple of years ago and is at Harvard, and uh, he told me a little bit about the environment and about his experience there, and that kind of sealed the deal for me that that's where I wanted to go. Okay, and how did you uh, go about the process of researching schools? You mentioned that you had a call, but for other schools, uh, did you just look at the website, or how did you go about that? Yeah, so um, I would say that I actually... In terms of research, once I had had that conversation with Guillaume, I didn't really research much about other schools. I kind of had my sights set and then did all my researching about Harvard. But uh, in terms of kind of finding out about um, 
what the options might be. Uh, I did. I looked at websites, obviously. I also tried to read on Reddit <laughs> people's experiences. Uh, but I don't know. There was... Honestly, I don't think I would have left Canada for any other university. Uh, just because, like, because of the cost also, um, you, re- you really have to consider what, what's going to be best in, in the long run. So did you attend any, like, webinars or anything like that? No, I didn't. <laughs> well, I guess you had a personal webinar with <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I found it a lot to film. Um, I also talked a lot to, like, our uh, admissions uh, and advisors at Perinopolis, and they were super helpful. They know basically everything that you would hear in a webinar about any of these kind of bigger schools that a lot of people might want to apply to. Um, and they were incredibly helpful. So I definitely, like, if anyone is considering going to U.S. University or if you're going to university at all, talking to the academic advisors in Perinopolis, they're like, they're pros. And was there a reason why you wanted to go outside of Canada? Was it only for the school or or are there any other factors? No, I mean, I originally going, leaving Canada, leaving Quebec was kind of the one deterrent for me from, like, once I got into Harvard, I was trying to figure out whether I was going to accept, like, their offer of admission. And it was difficult because um, I know, like, McGill is a great university. There are so many great universities in Quebec that are, you know, so much cheaper. You get a great education that would allow me also to keep my cost of living down staying in Montreal and kind of stay in the environment where I'm comfortable. But I think leaving Canada and getting the experience of Boston, especially in a group of people who are very international, they accept people from everywhere. And something about that made me think that it it was kind of unique. I mean, just that the experience, while I would get a great university experience in Montreal, there was something about leaving to go to Harvard that might I don't know, help build character or experience in a way that I might not get by staying here where I'm comfortable. But at the same time, I know that that's not the case for everyone. And I definitely think that just going to a U.S. school purely for the sake of going to the U.S. is probably not worth it. Um, There has to be some other driving factor, I think, to justify all of the kind of difficulty there. And um, can you tell us more about your intended major at Harvard and why you chose it? Yeah, so actually I don't have to declare my major until sophomore year, but right now I'm thinking that I'll probably do a double major in history and literature and government, Um, and then I might do a minor in French as well. But um, basically... I really love writing. I love writing. I'm in liberal arts and uh, I really enjoy history, philosophy, everything kind of in that region. And um, I want to continue doing that as much as possible. And the history and literature major seemed like it would make that basically continue my liberal arts education. Uh, and then for government, I'm involved with Model UN. I have like written about public policy and that's also something that really kind of fascinates me and that I'd like to continue to be involved in. So yeah, I'm hoping to learn more about that. Not only get an American perspective, but also an international perspective and kind of see, I've been in this sort of bubble, I think, of what people's opinions tend to be at Marianopolis and in Montreal. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that branches out. And uh, I guess I will take it from here. And uh, my question is actually regarding when you're researching Harvard. Uh, or even Oxford, when you're applying to Oxford as well. So, uh, how did you use the information uh, that you gathered in your application? Uh, oh god, I did a lot of this. Um, so, I'll start with Harvard, then I'll talk about Oxford. Uh, for Harvard, 
a lot of what I found in terms of like reading what people were saying on Reddit and reading kind of statements and articles that have been published where they interviewed admissions officers was um, basically that they want to find people with certain personality traits. So how has how does what you have done demonstrate something about your character? And part of that that they seem to talk about was that you know like classes at Harvard, the environment at Harvard is difficult, so the ability to kind of overcome challenges and, and persevere because um, I think a lot of people who apply to these top schools maybe are kind of used to being good at, at what they choose to do or kind of and like understanding that when you go to Harvard you're probably not going to be you know the best anymore <laughs> um, and also there is something else in addition to that which was uh, basically just kind of quirkiness like because there are so many applicants uh, who kind of follow similar trajectories, having this kind of aspect of your personality that makes people go, oh, wow, that's so cool and interesting and different. And so I think, yeah, the value of quirkiness is underestimated in, a, in university admissions. Um, and so in my essays, I wrote a little bit about how, in my personal essay, I wrote about how I had overcome previous obstacles, uh, basically from like, like I started ballet pretty late and like, talking about how I went from being the worst to kind of getting this, um, the main role in the end. And I talked about going to a French school, being completely Anglophone, and then having to learn French and get better at that school. So these experiences in my life starting out being the worst and then kind of improving. Uh, and then I also talked about um, in my senior year of high school, I did a fashion show where I bought like all these used tablecloths and curtains, etc. And I, I sewed like 27 ball gowns and I did like a fashion show. So that was something about me that I think at the time I wasn't at all doing it for university admissions. But in hindsight, I think that it was like a quirky thing that might make me stand out because I, I doubt that we saw a lot of that. And I was able to like submit pictures and everything. So I think it probably I hit the quirkiness and the overcoming obstacles Without intending to, but I, yeah, I think uh, those were two of the main elements, probably. <laughs> um, and then for Oxford, just knowing that they were going to ask me a lot about the subject itself, I watched I don't know how many documentaries, I read papers, um, clearly not enough, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I tried to prepare for the subject itself, uh, which is difficult to do, you know, because it's a wide range of subjects, but Okay, I see. And uh, just a question about how you went about the process of gathering information. So you, so websites, um, students, Reddit, or was that it, or were there some other secret sources that you used? Secret sources. Um, I can't say I really had any secret sources. I had Google at my disposal, um, and so I, I looked up previous people's paths, like tried to find people who had uploaded pictures of like their admissions files, which I found like two, but um, I don't know. I think it's, it's hard. I don't think people should do that. That's the thing. I did it because I couldn't help it and I wanted to know after submitting my application what my chances were. But I think in general, they want people who are kind of different. So. I don't know how helpful it really is to read other people's applications. Like, if you're doing things that you think are cool and you're doing very well at and kind of setting yourself apart and actually following your own interests, I think that that's more valuable than, like, writing yourself a to-do list at the beginning of Sec 3 of all things you have to accomplish in the next five years. Like, I don't know. <laughs> 
I mean, research if you must, and I definitely did because it's hard not to. But yeah. Okay, then uh, coming back to more school-related things uh, besides research. Uh, so you talked about uh, you're in liberal arts, uh, and so how do you think your program um, in Mary contributed to your application process at Harvard or Oxford? Oh my gosh, yeah, liberal arts contributed. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about to be totally honest, because the admissions process, regardless of whether you're kind of a pointy person in like STEM fields or language, you have to write essays to get in. I like, and I think. For Harvard, actually, the year that I applied, which was this year, um, they, I think there was, I wrote six different essays and one of them had no word limit. So I wrote like 2,000 words, I think, for that one essay, but the other ones were probably around 500. But like just writing that much, uh, liberal arts, we were writing like probably 15 papers uh, a semester, at least. Um, so I think I definitely really learned to write, like <laughs> totally crediting to liberal arts professors. Uh, and I think it definitely helped me because even if I was writing about my experience, let's say science or math, uh, I think the quality of writing still has an impact. So if you're someone who can kind of express your interests well or knows how to structure an essay, uh, it definitely is an asset in the application process, which is kind of unfair, honestly. Like if you're someone who's trying to get in just for math and like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily a fair process, but I think being in a program that allowed me to do a lot of reading and writing is definitely helpful. Okay, I see. And uh, I will touch a bit about your extracurriculars here, but I will leave that the main portion of that piano. Um, so, did you complete any certificates to show your interest while at Mary? No, I didn't complete any certificates. I did a lot of extracurricular activities um, and like outside of school activities, but never completed a certificate. <laughs> okay, then I will leave it to Yana to talk about your high school and your extracurriculars. Okay, so if we start with your high school, what was the name of the high school that you attended? I went to Sacred Heart, which is a smallish girls' school in Montreal. And can you talk about your extracurricular activities both in high school and Sasha? So Model UM has been a constant through high school and Sasha. I think I started modeling in set three. Uh, and yeah, I think. That was one of my really main things. I did a lot of um, model UN in high school. I went to conferences and competed. And then at Marianopolis, um, in my first year, I helped organize the conference and then got to, and was first year exec and then got to be uh, an exec in the second year. Uh, and I think that, honestly, model UN at Marianopolis was a defining element of my experience. It was very time consuming and, like, one of, I think, <laughs> It probably accounted for like two courses of like work outside of school, but I, I loved it. And honestly, I think like I couldn't have chosen a better activity. If there's anyone else who's like me and kind of really likes public speaking and writing and especially researching public policy, like it, it united all three of those interests for me. And yeah, I just loved it. Other than that, I've done a lot of research. So in, uh, in high school, I did a competition called Alain de la Fache, which is kind of a public speaking contest for girls' schools in Montreal. And um, it involved writing a paper. And following that, I 
kind of ice pen. Also, this was very time consuming. People underestimate how time consuming it is. But um, I worked on that and ended up working with some people at the school and published that. And then I continued doing research outside at McGill while at Marine Office. Oh, I did um, the Pilot de High, which is like a jury for Quebec books at Marianopolis. Uh, basically, like all sea jets can contribute a jury. And, yeah, basically select a book debating for, uh, for a prize. And I mean, in high school, I did basically everything I did to like literary magazine. I was the editor in chief. I did yearbook. I did tons of different things. But I think Mother Women, literary magazine, research, probably the three largest, most time consuming ones. Yeah. And uh, to go back to the research part, how did you find the opportunities um, for researching at school, but also outside of school? Yeah, so uh, in high school, the, well, I like that half hour, so the competition that originally launched writing that paper, um, they asked the school to select three students who would participate, and I just happened to be one of the ones who was selected, which was very lucky. Um, and kind of, um, after we submitted the essay for that, I think I, I had done so much research that it felt almost like it would be a waste to not try to publish something. And so I started writing the paper, and I think at this point, there is like, I just want this big crazy look. Like, one of my parents, basically, she she's a neuroscientist, but had experience, obviously, publishing. So she was able to help me write that up and kind of tell me how it works, like writing to journals and everything uh, and kind of getting people's attention. And even though it wasn't her area at all that I was writing, uh, just having someone who had experience publishing research, super helpful. And yeah, uh, after that at Marianopolis, working in McGill was just because one of my friend's dads had a lab and was doing cool research. Um, but yeah, basically it was connections, which I know is like a really sucky thing to hear because it's so unfair. But honestly, uh, if you're a student at Marianopolis, you probably know someone who has a parent who has a lab. So I think trying to, trying to make those connections, sending off dozens of emails to people at McGill just asking if they need help um, and saying that you're a student at Marianopolis. Um, you might get someone who writes eventually. And can you tell us a bit more about uh, like your role in that process and what it was about? Uh, like in research? Okay, so uh, while the research that I published um, originally, I was first author. So I basically wrote the whole thing and then sent the publication, got peer reviewers comments, edited like three rounds and got it published. Uh, and then in Marianopolis, basically, I didn't. I was working with a couple of grad students uh, in this person's lab, and uh, basically just doing research on how COVID uh, pandemic and quarantine had affected like motivation in Gen Zers. So uh, yeah, it was it was very interesting research. I never ended up actually publishing anything uh, in that lab. They're still working on it, <laughs> but yeah, it was really interesting stuff taught me a lot about kind of scientific research as opposed to the social scientific research that I've done previously. Um, yeah. And did you have any involvements outside of school, for example, for volunteering or work? Yeah, uh, I actually kind of did not work at all during my time in Marianopolis. Um, I was really lucky that I didn't have to, but um, in terms of volunteering, I volunteered at an old folks home that's near my house, and um, also my grandparents currently we live in Midway across the street, so I also took up a lot of my time caring for them. But I think, yeah, that's actually something that I wrote about 
some essays. I've submitted various places as like reform to elder care in Quebec because it's just honestly like the state of our system is terrible. Uh, so kind of volunteering in that area helped me see that and understand that and ended up being something that I spoke about in my actual in my university interview um, because it's something that's close to me but I think doing volunteering in an area that you actually maybe want to affect change in further down the line really helpful kind of good. How did you manage your extracurriculars with uh, with schoolwork? How did do you have any tips for time management? <laughs> I'm really oh god. Um, I'd love to tell you that I manage my time perfectly, and I'm just one of those people who does that. <laughs> I'm not. Um, actually, my Harvard essays I wrote the day before they were. Um, so I'm not very. See, basically, everything I did at Marianopolis, I did the day before it's due. Like, my, like, 5,000 word essays. I mean, honestly, but that's the thing. I feel like I do my best work when I'm, like, under pressure. <laughs> so don't don't follow my example. I, I am an organized person in the sense that I always know what I have coming up and, like, what will have to be done. Like, I never forget things. But um, I don't, like, spend two weeks working systematically on an essay. I just, like, sit down with my coffee and, like, do it and then collapse. So that's my system. Don't do that. It just, it's what works for me. Uh, and while you're doing that for, uh, as a system, so did you just sort of um, insert the time for extra characters while you're waiting for the due date of your essay? <laughs> yeah, I think um, extracurriculars, I just kind of do everything when it has to be done. So for extracurriculars for Model UN, for example, I'll always have like at least three little deadlines a week of just random things that I need to get done. So. I keep a to-do list on my phone, like a checklist that I constantly add to. And whenever like something small just like pops into my head of like, oh god, I have to do that, I write it down. And then whenever I have like either I've been writing an essay for five hours and just can't anymore, or um, I have like a little break between classes, I just look at the to-do list and see what I can get done in my little break of time and then get it done. And I think honestly having all that stuff written down is really useful. Like if I was just sitting by myself in my 10 minutes between class thinking, what could I do now? I probably wouldn't get anything done. But like having it right there in front of you, I was like, oh yeah, I could write this email in the next five minutes. It's useful. And especially for someone like me who just kind of is constantly like, I don't know, keeping their head above water barely. So it's always about like finding the little times to always do something. Yeah. And like, obviously I'm not always doing something. I'm not a superhuman. I watch Netflix like most other people presumably. But um, yeah, it's definitely like in those bursts of productivity and in the little times, like the amount of emails that you have to write, think about all that time. It just needs to be spent and figuring out where to spend it. It's, yeah. Okay, I see. Um, then we're actually going to move towards the topic of grades, if you're, you feel comfortable saying that. Since, since you didn't take any standardized testings, we'll ask any of that. But, um, what is your average grade uh, for two years at Mary and also before at Sacred Park? Okay, I'll give, I'll tell you that I have had good marks like throughout Maryopolis in high school. Uh, I don't think I'll give you like anything, but um, for schools like Harvard, I don't think people get it based on grades. Like if you let's say have a ninety-seven average and your friend has like a ninety-four. 
I don't think you can tell yourself I'm going to get it over my friend because I could have like an average 60% better. Like there's definitely a, a cutoff-ish. Like you, I think you have to do well. Um, but they also know that CJEP is harder than like Ontario high schools, than US high schools. Like they add marks to our averages knowing that it's more difficult to never take the classes. So definitely grades are important, but they're not what's going to get you. Like basically you need to prove that you're academically capable. Um, but beyond that, I really think because they're getting so many applicants, they're getting applicants from applications from so many people who have averages in like mid nineties that um, I think you have to stand out in other ways. And you can I think it might be a waste of time to try to improve your average by like two percent at the expense of doing other cool things that might make you stand out more. So I will say that yes, grades very important, but they are not the be all end all. Then I will leave it to you to talk about your coming up essay and perhaps also have your supplemental essay. Sure. Uh, before I jump into that, I just wanted to ask because they announced that they were well, they were like it was test optional pretty late were you thinking of taking those tests before or did you like not even think about applying um i taking the sat did not cross okay so i thought maybe i'll apply to harvard before they went test option but i wasn't actually thinking about harvard i was just thinking i could apply to u.s schools like maybe that's something i could do so i started doing like khan academy has a kind of free sat prep tool um, that I was following and like doing all those things every day. But I was taking SAT practice tests and thinking to myself, like, I'm not going to get a 1600. Like, this is, I like, I would have to take it a few times. And even then, like, there's no guarantee that I would do exceptionally well on the SAT math section specifically because the last time I did math was set five. And so, yeah, <laughs> I think standardized tests, I was. I was thinking of potentially taking it, but thinking to myself, the fact that I have to take it might make my chances less good. So when they made it test optional, it definitely like increased my Okay, so I'll jump into the topic of the Common App essay and I think school optionals. So how did you come up with the topic for your Common App essay? Okay, so when I wrote my Common App personal essay, I was writing it... Actually, I wrote it the day that I had to submit the uh, So I was under a time crunch and was thinking, I just gotta write. I'm just gonna write something. <laughs> and so I started writing and I thought to myself, um, what character traits do I want to kind of portray? And um, I decided that it would be cool if I structured an essay. I wrote my like little introductory paragraph and thought it would be cool if I structured an essay in three parts uh, with three different experiences that illustrated the same character trait. So I talked about basically resilience, kind of like that what I talked about before, like starting out not being great and then improving. And uh, I think that's also potentially determination and, and discipline. I'm not sure exactly what they saw in that, but um, yeah, I structured my essay that way. I just wrote those three body paragraphs of those three experiences and then did kind of like a cute little conclusion where I tied them together and like made it go full circle. Yeah, and I think I wrote that probably in like three hours. It wasn't that long. Um, yeah, but if you have like an, if you, honestly getting the idea is the hardest part and I really only get my ideas when I am under pressure. So if you get your idea, it's not going to be that long to write the essay. And I, I honestly, I didn't even really edit it that much. 
it's yeah I think I was just I was lucky in that I found something that worked and, and wrote it but I could easily been in the position of just having like writer's block and not having anything and um okay so you, you said that you started writing it on the day or the before right so I did you have any like did you ask anybody to proofread it or you just submitted it after you were done <laughs> Um, I did, actually. Once I finished it, I got my mom to proofread it, who immediately said, what? You're just writing it now. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, she actually, she helped me. She liked the essay. She made a couple changes. And um, yeah, and then I submitted it. But honestly, it was so close at that point. It was night that I gave her like 10 minutes to read it just to make sure that I was like, that it wasn't, that it was good, what I was saying. And she kind of gave me the, the thumbs up when I sent it. And so I'll move on to the school-specific questions. So I know you didn't apply to other U.S. schools, but maybe I'll just ask the question so that maybe you have an answer to it. So many selective U.S. schools have their school-specific questions, which are very similar from one to another. But I know you didn't apply, but how would you like make sure that every essay, although they are very similar, are different from each other and fits the right school? Do you have any tips or...? Yeah, I think it's the use of examples. Like, whenever they ask you a question, like, answering very specifically in terms of actual concrete things that you've done. Like, rather than saying, oh, I think I'm a person who's hardworking and, um, I don't know, optimistic, like, showing that through, like, examples that you can give. And hopefully you might have multiple examples of different character traits that, that you have and sort of using each essay to talk about a different example, but through the spin of a specific book. So I know that's what I did for, like, all my essays for Harvard. I chose, like, six of the most important things that I thought I had done and kind of used them to answer the question with, like, kind of concrete support, I guess. Yeah, then uh, let's jump into recommendation letters. I think students are also interested in the app. So, uh, how did you go about the process of like finding the teachers first to uh, thinking about asking them for recommendation letters? And uh, how did you choose those teachers in particular? Yeah, so I'm actually in liberal arts, we're a very small program. So, I think there are like nine of us graduating this year. It's very small. <laughs> Which worked really to my advantage because it means that like the professors whose classes that I'm taking, there's basically the liberal arts department. I know all of those teachers very well because I've been in their classes in such small groups and have had them basically every semester. So I think I had good relationships with a lot of my teachers and was like talking to them outside of classes. With a couple of my teachers, we would send like book recommendations and stuff back and forth. We got close because liberal arts is such a small program, and I'm sure they had relationships like that with the other people in liberal arts too. And I don't know if that's the case in like a larger program, like in the sciences, and I'm sure that's much more difficult to kind of cultivate. But um, I just I really love my professors, and uh, so I just two of them who I had um, I had had many semesters and had good relationships with and. Well, I, I asked them to write a recommendation and they were happy to do it and I felt like they know me they knew me really well so I think that was definitely a pro but at the same time obviously there are people applying from large US high schools where their teachers might not know them so um, if your teacher can say good things about you academically or if there's a teacher who you've had conversations with outside of class I think that's something really valuable because they can kind of speak to who you are as a person like how it really cares about whether you're going to make a good roommate and whether you're going to be like a good addition to the campus and and not I mean 
hard to say this, but like, I think it's important to like be interested in other humans to a certain extent as well. Like, kind of want good things for your for your fellow people rather than um, yeah. And I, I think if you have teachers who can maybe speak to speak to that, it's something that's good and something that's easier to come out of a smaller program. Okay, then I hope students after hearing this they won't go just changing programs to liberal arts and kindergarten slash program. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you can do it. Like people get in from sciences. I know Guillaume got in from sciences. You can do it. I just think that I had an easier time potentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, actually, uh, still about uh, recommendation letters. Did you uh, give the teachers free reign to re- write your recommendation letters, or, or did you talk to them saying uh, those are some of the things I want you to show in your recommendation letter? Did you please write it sort of according to like this format? Did you do any of that or did you just say I want a recommendation as a one? So for my recommendation letters, I, I we had total free range things in whatever format. But uh, I sent them an email where I would ask them for the recommendation letter. I sent them pictures of the fashion show that I had done. I sent them all of my like uh, my CV so that they knew the kind of things I was involved in. I sent them I think I might have sent them my transcript so that they knew what grade I was getting for the class as well. Um, and then I sent them essays that I had written for things before so that they kind of got an idea of my writing outside of their class because I think that was sort of the angle that I was trying to take with I sent writing. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's all that I sent them. For Oxford, I also sent them my personal statement so I wrote that further in advance. Yeah, so I think if you are the kind of person who like, makes good decisions and writes their common app essays ahead of time, you might want to send those. But um, I was lucky because I was able to send basically my personal statements from like, other applications and stuff in view of my Okay, then uh, we know like uh, selective schools especially, they, they sometimes ask for extra recommendation letters long. For example, I think you yeah. probably asked for that. So did you get any uh, extra recommendation letters? And if so, who did you get them from? Yes, I did. I got a recommendation letter from Rahman Yaku, who is a faculty advisor for Model UN. Uh, since I was president of Model UN and she knew me really well uh, in like the kind of extra outside of academics area, she was able to write a recommendation letter. And um, I'm not sure, you know what, I really don't remember, but it's possible that Fitting Peg Law also submitted a brief recommendation letter along Hospital recommendation. But yeah, those would have been the photo that I got. Okay, then uh, this sounds sort of cynical, like just to get a good recommendation letters from the teachers, but do you have any tips uh, on relationship with teachers? Tips on relationships with teachers. I like I kind of had good relationships from with my professors from like the beginning just because I was really interested in their courses like genuinely. And it was definitely not like, oh, I'm gonna make friends with this person. So they'll write me a good record. Like, I think that's such a sad way to go about it. Um, yeah. And honestly, it's probably transparent. Like, if you're not actually interested in someone's class and their material and are like trying to make friends with them, I think it's probably show. Or unless you're a really great actor. But um, being in classes that are that genuinely interest you, and like specifically for me, like going into liberal arts, loving writing, history, philosophy, and wanting to have those conversations and being able to talk about books that I was reading, like that would have been exhausted if I wasn't actually interested. Like, it may be doable, but probably not worth it. So I definitely recommend like teachers who you're just genuinely going to be able to have a relationship with because they're interested in the same things. It's going to be a lot more doable and more fun than trying to like manufacture some kind of 
in conversation. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Then, oh, actually, let me yeah, let you talk about your perhaps like any portfolios you submitted for your application. Uh, before I jump into that. Um, because for our first years, we never got a full hand like college experience in person. So a lot of people think that it's very difficult to reach out to teachers when it's online, when we're on Zoom, and we don't really have those five minutes before after class to you know go have a little conversation with our professors. So do you have any tips on how to go about that? Because we spent we just spent one year. Without really building a a deep relationship with anyone, even with our clients. Yeah, that was hard.、Um, so I had like until March of my first year at the college, by which point I already had relationships with my teachers. So it was a lot more. It was easier. It's easier to maintain a relationship over Zoom than to start one. Definitely.、Um, Oh God! In terms of tips, I would say if you're reading a book that you think is cool and relates to the material in someone's class, that's awesome. Like you can always write a teacher an email with like, "Hey, I'm reading this book and I thought that this was really interesting," and like they're probably going to be happy to talk to you about it. And it's also just so much fun. And I know like with one of my professors, my philosophy professor, like we went to a, like a Zoom talk just because we were both interested in, in what at a certain topic. And yeah, I think kind of. I don't actually know how this works in math and science, like if this is applicable in any way. But、um, if you're interested in specific components of what your teacher is saying, or kind of things that relate to the class material, and you're able to email them about that,、um, it's just a great conversation starter. Yeah, I would recommend doing that. But also just being human and like not kind of hunting for for relationships with your teachers. And just like seeing them as other people who might be interesting, <laughs> yeah. I totally agree on that.、Um, so I'll move on to the portfolios. So you said you submitted、uh, the pictures from the fashion show, but did Harvard require anything like a graded paper or like a research abstract or anything else?、Uh, they didn't require anything. Oxford required a graded paper, which I submitted. Um, but Harvard, I submitted pictures of the fashion show,、um, as well as the paper that I had, like the paper that I was first author on. And what、um, else did I submit? Oh, and I submitted. I had presented at a conference called "Burning in the Brain" in San Francisco about a study that I had run in high school、um, about the effects of moving meditation on attention in adolescents. I should have mentioned that earlier. That was another <laughs> research that I did. But、um, yeah, so I submitted a picture of that as like proof that I had gone, as well as like the、um, pamphlet from the conference that I abstracted for the minute.、Uh, so yeah. Proof of research, so that they could also see that, like the paper that I published, was kind of like like a professional paper. And、um, yeah, the pictures of the dresses, because if you do any kind of art, anything that's kind of quirky, I think it's cool to upload pictures, like so that they can be like, oh wow, cool, because they read so many applications that no picture is worth a thousand words.、Um, And actually, this is another thing that I wanted to say because I've been talking to some people who, who are also in the admitted Harvard class, and you know, one of them, like they're they're obviously like academically good students. They're very cool people,、um, but they also like everyone has a quirk. Like one girl, she breeds fish in her spare time. Another one builds motorcycles. Like I think. Like the unifying factor, I think, of the people who got in is just that everyone has a thing that you wouldn't expect. Like you wouldn't be able to Google how to get into Harvard and see like, oh, breed fish. Like 
everyone has this kind of quirky thing um, that I think shows off really well in pictures and in like extra things that you can upload. Um, yeah, which I didn't even know before getting in, but I guess uh, maybe it needs to be sort of fun now. Then actually, can you talk a bit about your quirk? Yeah, <laughs> um, I think my quirk is a little bit less quirky than breeding fish, but um, I think designing and sewing sustainable fashion is probably my quirk. Um, yeah, I, for the fashion show itself, the, like, originally every year the fashion show was just, like, buying clothes, and I didn't want to do that, and so I, like, I bought sewing for dummies and taught myself how to sew from that book, um, and then just went to thrift stores, and they have, like, huge amounts of just, like, sheets, tablecloths, curtains, and that, like, no one buys because they're terrible as curtains, but, like, you can kind of cut them up and sew them into, like, a reasonable ball gown that actually looks pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I made, like, kind of steampunk, kind of old-fashioned, but also, like, modern kind of ball gown designs. And I, like, I made a hoop skirt, which was, for someone who doesn't have a really good visual mind, uh, it was a challenge. But it was also really fun. And, like, the process of building a hoop skirt and, like, buying like, flowers and, and cloth and kind of sewing things together it was, I think, pretty quirky. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'd say that was probably my work. Okay, definitely. Um, and I, I don't recommend people just do weird things for the sake of getting to schools. But um, <laughs> no, yeah. but I mean, if you're the kind of person who has like a weird thing that you like to do, like continue to do that because it could help you get in. Mm, yeah. And talking about weird things and sort of leading to somewhere, did you indicate any uh, awards in the coming up? Uh, and if you're comfortable, could you um, give us an example? Yes. Uh, first of all, I got a Scholastic Writing Portfolio Award. Um, I tied for third in the international region I was uh, in first in Canada. So I think that was probably the biggest award. But um, other than that, I had gotten, like, like the, the graduation awards I got in high school, I wrote those down. Um, is there anything else? Yes, yeah. Okay, so for the essay that I wrote for Alain Tarapaja before I turned it into a paper, I got uh, an award, like the best essay award from that, uh, which I wrote in the Common App. And I had also gotten an award for a history essay that I wrote. And then in like sec two or three, I came third in Quebec in a math competition that we had to do. So I think those were the awards that I indicated, I think. Then I guess we'd have to disagree that you're not good at math since you can The only reason I did well on that math thing is because I decided that I wanted to do well, so I really studied, and I don't think anyone else did. Okay. But, like, I'm not just inherent. Mm. <laughs> uh, then, actually, some extra questions. Yana just thought up of her mind, which is very, also very interesting and very specific. It's um, interviews. So, how did you go about the process of doing an uh, interview with Harvard and with Oxford? Yeah, so my Harvard interview, like, best interview experience of my life. It was amazing. It was supposed to last, like, 20 minutes. It ended up lasting 40. We just talked. It was great. To prepare for that interview, I basically just looked up, like, their articles you can find really easily of what Harvard admissions offers. Interviewers ask. So I looked those up. And some of it is, like, what are books that you're reading? Like, your favorite book? What are your extra careers do you do? Um, can you talk about a time, like, that you challenge or like what your favorite class is like all these kind of basic questions about who you are and I prepared a little bit and I like wrote jotted down some classes that I had looked through the Harvard course catalog and was like oh like these specific classes mesh really well with my interests and like just to, in terms of being able to say this is why I want to go to Harvard um 
But other than that, I think really just, I genuinely like flipped with the interviewer and she actually, um, she was a Marianopolis graduate who like maybe 15 years ago was president of Marymount. So we were like basically the same person 15 years later, which was really cool. And they actually do that often. Like if there's someone similar to you, they match you to an interviewer who has had basically a similar life experience. Yeah. And so we talked a lot about that. We talked about books. We talked about just like ish political issues, things like that. And it was just really fun. It felt like a conversation. She was super nice, uh, which was not like the Oxford interview. I think the UK model is to kind of try to scare you. Um, so in the US, they very much want you to feel like, oh, you're welcome and like we're friendly here. And in the UK, they want you to be like, oh, you're not good enough for us. So there's like two very different ways of going about it. And I think the UK one of trying to like grill you on your subject specifically definitely gets to the people who are like really pointy. Like they know everything about this one specific area and are kind of obsessive. And that's like really good for um, excelling in your domain. And so their interviews um, are very much like if you've studied and not even studying, I think, because I don't think you can study enough in the lead up to your interview to know everything about that subject. But if you're just the kind of person who is naturally obsessive enough to be able to answer our like questions about the topic well, then the UK is a really good option because you can't take any classes outside of your domain. Like all of your classes are tutorials that are one-on-one with the professor in your specific subject area. So it's super intense academically, which is really good, except that I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. <laughs> and so um, I think that potentially showed because I had, when I was talking, when I was answering, I was giving answers that kind of tied in like government, politics, talked about our history, but also like I think it was clear that I maybe wasn't as kind of focused in one area as they maybe would have liked me. So I think it's just two very different styles of interviewing and two different kinds of people that they're looking for. Yeah, so it really, it depends on the person. But obviously, going to school US, UK, you're going to get great education either way. Staying in Canada, obviously, as well. But it's, yeah, it's just different things that they value. Okay, then um, I will leave it to Nino to just ask some general final questions. Yeah, so do you have any final general tips for students that are thinking of applying outside of Canada? Yeah, um, I think that my general tips would be don't do it because you think it's going to be like massive or something like that. Like if you're going to go to school outside of Canada, I think there has to be a driving factor. Like you think that you would genuinely benefit from some of the courses or the professors or the school environment. Yeah, I would say take the decision very seriously um, because it's a really, it's a big investment and um, you have to consider whether to pay off. But other than that, definitely talk to people who are going to the school who are currently there. It's really helpful to get a sense of what they like and don't like because how people feel about different elements of the school experience. Like there are some people who like absolutely love the kind of frat sorority vibe. And I know that that's not personally me, but if you can kind of talk to someone and get a sense of what they value about the school spirit and decide whether you mesh with that as well, I think that's really useful. So I would say consider the decision really seriously, whether it's going to be worth it for you and also talk to people who are going there. And I mean, if anyone like 
wants to talk to me, I'm obviously not there yet, but you can always talk to me on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to offer whatever advice I can. Oh, perfect. Uh, I guess we'll drop your Facebook profile link in the description of this episode, if you don't mind. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, then, I guess, so our final question is actually regarding, so you talked about making a decision of whether staying in the States or was that plan go to that. So, after you're admitted to Harvard, or, um, how did you go about the process of making the decision that uh, I think I'm going to outside of Canada instead of staying in Canada in such a day? So, um, I basically, I don't know if anyone knows this, but I made pros and cons list. I don't know that everyone knows that, but, um, made a pros and cons list and then flipped a coin. And because I didn't know how I felt, like I didn't know where I wanted to go. And so the outcome was Harvard and I was excited. Which made me realize that that's what I wanted to do because I I had kind of in terms of the actual stuff on paper like writing down what are the advantages maybe for both what are the opportunities what are the professors what are the courses I had written down everything like concrete and could not come to a decision so at that point I think I had to like I basically had to decide how my gut felt because my brain was so much like but it costs so much more and. So, yeah, you know, I, I made the decision um, based on the information that I had gotten and based on kind of concrete um, sort of courses and professors that I really wanted to meet and learn from. But my brain wasn't able to catch up to that information. Like, I really had to go at it based off of how I felt. Yeah, and at the same time, also, I know that, like, getting into Harvard is so ugly. Like, I am sure that at least 10% of the applicants are equally qualified. Um, and so the fact that they admitted, like, 3% of people, I'm sure that they could make, like, three to four, like, incoming classes that would do just as well. And so the fact that they chose me to be one of the people that they admitted, I felt so lucky because, like, I know that it wasn't because of, like, what the stuff that I did, because I could just as easily not gotten in, that I really wanted to take advantage of that opportunity that I felt like life had given me. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, I guess, losing a point of deciding is so bad if you really don't know where you want to go, it's for the way when I say to you. To decide and <laughs> it's even better when you know that you got the right decision not to wait. Well that's the thing, but if I had felt if I had flipped the coin and then felt disappointed by the outcome, I would know that I had to stay here mm-hmm. instead. Like it was basically just to figure out how I felt. Perfect. Um, yeah. I guess I would do that too for my university decision. <laughs> uh well uh, other than that, uh, thank you so much uh, for having enough for coming on to the show, and uh, thank you enough for host- hosting this episode with you. Um, yeah, and I will close it off here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning to listen. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we did during the interview. If you liked this episode, learned something, or just want to help out a bunch of students, please leave a review, write a comment, and share this on social media. If you are listening to this on YouTube, please subscribe and write to us in the comments. All the books and other resources recommended by the interviewee are in the podcast description slash video description depending on your platform. And depending on when you see this, you might be able to use our affiliate link to purchase them. The Marianopolis Addendum podcast is actively seeking local sponsors here in Montreal. So if you are interested, please contact us at the email linked in the description. All the profit generated by this podcast will go back to fund our club's activity. If we have any surplus, they will be donated at the end of every month to a local charity. This episode was edited by Camilla Huang. And the artwork is done by Camilla Huang. The producers and guests associated with this episode may express their opinion, but this podcast does not support any political parties. 
We only aim to bring different perspectives on different issues through the free exchange of opinions and ideas. We look forward to seeing you at our next broadcast. Cheers.